Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Fiona. My passion for sport really started when I was a competitive swimmer. This led me to study sport development at university whilst also working within the sporting industry. I'm a huge believer in sport being used as a tool for good. Each week, I'll bring you an episode with someone involved in the sporting world. It could be your local high school teacher or your childhood or current sporting hero. The difference is that it's not your typical type of questions. We talk about the highs and lows in their journey through sport, but also what they've learned from it and how it's made them who they are today. There's also a strong focus on how being involved in sport can impact the community. If you haven't already, make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening so you don't miss the drop of each new episode. If you're after some bonus content, then you can check out our Instagram or Facebook page at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. I had the absolute pleasure of being joined by this week's guest, Australian swimmer Sally Hunter. I had a bit of a fangirl moment when Sal agreed to come on the podcast as I grew up watching her achieve so many things during the decade she represented Australia in the pool, including competing at two Olympics, two Commonwealth Games and multiple world championships. But Sally's journey in swimming hasn't stopped there. After retiring in 2016, she has been coaching as well as mentoring and advocating for young athletes in the world of sport. Before getting into the interview, I wanted to mention that after recording, Sal and I had a chat about how to navigate getting back in the pool after retiring, but not being able to face it. The advice she gave me was to get rid of any expectations, not count laps or time yourself, which as a competitive swimmer, these things are pretty much second nature. But a few days later, guess who found themselves back in the pool and getting out with a smile on their face, looking forward to the next time. I know it's easier said than done, but it's just a little piece of advice that I had to pass on. That's enough from me. Let's hear from Sally. So Sally, can you tell us a little bit about your sport and how you got into it? So I am a swimmer or ex-swimmer. So my sport is swimming and I guess I got into it. And I always say this is, um, I think I was born to swim. I come from a very big background of swimmers and coaches. So my great aunt went to the 1936 Olympic Games. Uh, my mum just missed representing Australia, but she was a really good national swimmer. My uncles and aunties all swam and coached and my grandparents and now my whole family nearly are all swimming coaches. So I come from a pretty big sort of dynasty of sort of swimming coaches all the way through and swimmers and have a big history in that. So I kind of say I was born to swim. It was a sport that I was sort of born into and brought up on pool deck with a whole lot of different people and a great community support around me. And I think that's what kept me going. I was brought into it and started off as a junior and loved it so much and just loved being around the pool and with the people that I was with and sort of grew from there into the athlete that I became. Wow, that's incredible. And it's it's cool because I actually came from the opposite. So neither of my parents could swim. So hearing where people were like a born into their sport, I'm like, oh, that sounds so cool. <laughs> Did you feel like that at all pressure, like to be involved in the sport or was it more so like you just loved it because it was so community-based? Uh, no, I, I didn't feel pressure at all. It was just part of, I guess, my life, I think, mm. you know, rocking up to the pool. We were we were sort of made to go swimming two or three times a week just to keep ourselves fit and active. I was pretty unco at all other sports, to be honest. Um, so I, swimming was probably the only sport that I was going to be good at. But yeah, I, I, I didn't really make the decision to become an elite athlete or to do anything in terms of 
becoming great at swimming until I was about 13. So I think when I was about 13 or 14, my grandmother and my mother gave me my great aunt's diary. So it was hand typewritered up diary from my great aunt that she wrote when she left to go to the 1936 Olympics. And I'd met her before and I knew a little bit about her story from my family and the fact that I had an Olympian in the family, but I didn't know the extent of her story. And so reading her diary sort of gave me this outlook of, oh my God, I know somebody and they're normal and Mm -hmm. they're part of my family. And if they can do it, why can't I? Whereas Mm -hmm. I always sort of looked at swimming and the Olympics and all of that stuff as being so far out of my reach at 13. Like you would never have thought that, I would never have thought that I could have become an Olympian then. And it wasn't until after I read this diary that I thought, oh, you know what, that, why not? Why, why not give it a go? So I think it was then that I actually set myself a goal of I want to become an Olympian and I'm going to see what I can do to get there. I wasn't very good at junior swimming. I, I was pretty bad. Um, I didn't win like a state championship medal until I was about 16. Uh, I didn't qualify for my first uh, national championships until I was 16. Um, and it was in 53 hundredth of a second I qualified for. The only reason I got to go was because I was in WA. <laughs> so I got to swim in my hometown. And yeah, sort of I progressed from there. I was given opportunities and choices to make. And I ended up moving from Western Australia to Canberra. And then I made my first Olympic team in 2008 and I was 23. So it took 10 years from that sort of starting off as this kid that just loves swimming and loved going up and then being around my family. So setting myself a goal and then going through the process of sort of developing that as I got older and older and older, and then kindly came to realization of 10 years later. So, Wow. And that was the moment, like you were getting your great aunt's diary was the moment you're like, okay, like an Olympian, that sounds cool. I can probably do this. Was there a moment that you were like, swimming is the sport for me? You said before you're a little bit uncoordinated. So was it a lack of physical choices that you could do? Uh, oh no, look, I, I did gymnastics when I was at school. I did every sport because I was quite competitive. So I wanted to do everything, um, but I just fell short. <laughs> I did everything. Like I probably wasn't as great as I was, thought I was, I could do like long distance running, but when it came to ball sports, I fell pretty short. Motivation wasn't quite there and my skills just weren't quite there, but in terms of fitness, I was quite fit. So I could run and, and I could swim. Yeah, I did gymnastics at a young age and I love that too. Uh, but I got, I, I really severely injured my shoulder when I was about 11 through some, oh, just overdoing it in the gymnastics hall. And so I ended up having to give that away because I thought I didn't want to continually get injured. And mm-hmm. my parents weren't really that keen on me being pushed at a young age either. I was quite small when I was younger. So gymnastics would have been like a pigeonhole sport for me too. And I was fit and flexible. So, but yeah, no, swimming was always probably going to be the sport for me I think the fact that I was constantly on pool deck and around my mates that I'd grown up with and that my parents had grown up with and that my grandparents had known three generations of the kids that are coming through the door I think it was always going to be swimming (laughs) yeah I love that I think I think I came from a similar except I couldn't do any other sports really I was just fit from the swimming (laughs) and ball sports did you used to like run away from the wall because I did (laughs) (laughs) My husband's a, a, he represented Australia for volleyball. So yeah, I was, look, let's just say I was not very good at ball sports. I couldn't really catch. Um, I could kick a football, uh, but if you threw something at me, I was terrible. If you hit a tennis ball to me, the chances of me catching it or hitting it back were pretty slim. Uh, I, yeah, really didn't show talent in those areas for other sports. But like I said, I was competitive. So I always had a crack um, and I always wanted to be really good, but just wasn't. <laughs> so I think... 
swimming was the way I went. Yeah, like I said, my husband did uh, play volleyball for Australia. I used to have to go and help him in the off season to throw balls up for him so he could set. And because um, he was a setter. And I remember the first training session I went to him with and I was so excited that I could go help him. And um, he's like, I need you to throw the ball up like this and like at the net. And he was showing me, it's like, hey, yeah, I can do it. And I did it for him, did like the 10 balls. And then he started throwing them back to me to put, so that I could do it. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Too <laughs> much. To I'm just throwing them in the air. You don't, I can't catch them. <laughs> but even now it's an ongoing joke in the family. Like he'll go think quick and throw me one of the kids' footballs or think quick and throw me a, a tea towel. And yeah, look, let's just say that's not my strength. So. <laughs> should put him in the pool, see how he goes. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he's not very good. So it's okay. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So you are, you've got uh, amazing achievements behind you. Like you two-time Olympian. So your first one was Beijing. Then you went to London as well. You've also been to two Commonwealth Games and then multiple world championships. Is there any like other significant milestones? Like we can talk about some of these as well along your journey that's like helped shape who you are. It's a big question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a few. I think um, in 2004, when I moved from Western Australia to Canberra to take up an AIS scholarship, that was kind of a significant milestone for me. It was, I, I was really a, a nobody in the sport of swimming. Um, I wasn't making national finals. Um, I just had this ability to um, take on workload and be able to do things that people asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And I worked really hard and I got offered this scholarship um, to go there in 2003. And I said, no way am I coming here. <laughs> Um, there was no way I was going to go live in Canberra. Um, but then I had a fantastic summer season sort of in swimming, a long course season from December all the way through to the Olympic trials in 2004. And I didn't qualify to make that Olympics in 2004, but it was kind of the first step to me realizing that I need to make change. So when I got, I, I sort of took up that scholarship then and moved. So that was the biggest sort of thing for me is moving away from my family. I moved away from my support network and all the people who I knew I could trust and believe in me and moved to this whole new high performance environment so that was probably the one of the biggest changes for me but I learned a lot and I stayed for eight years so <laughs> from there I think probably the next one was probably going to my first Olympics that was probably my best one of my best memories was making that team and then competing at that Olympics I fell short of making the final but I did a PB in the heat and just missed qualifying I think I was point three seven or something I missed the final by so I was really close I got ninth so that was another pretty big milestone for me. And also that missing that final by that much of a margin sort of cemented in my brain that I wanted to do it again. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want this to be the end of my swimming. I was 23 at the time. And, you know, we're talking about swimming. Like a lot of people did retire early then in 2008 and I was ready to keep going. So I think that kind of gave me this will to keep fighting because I wanted to go again. I wanted to experience that, but I didn't want to be the person on the sideline. So 2008 made me, go if I'm going to another Olympics I want to be in that final I want to give myself that opportunity and then from there I guess 2012 was probably the next biggest milestone moving into 2013 so in 2012 I lost or I went I went to the Olympics and mm -hmm. I came eighth in the final and I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do with my career so people were sort of suggesting that I should give up and retire and let somebody else have a go I was 27 at the time so I was an old athlete I was probably the oldest athlete on the team so people were suggesting that to me and at the time that didn't sit well with me so I made the choice to move to Adelaide to follow my husband who had got a job there and I moved to a coach called Peter Bishop and 
started this incredible journey with him where I went from sort of achieving some things to achieving so much more than I could have ever imagined possible because of his sort of instilled belief. So in a matter of 10 months of being with him, I went from people telling me to retire from my sport to becoming, you know, a world champion silver medalist mm-hmm. in the women's 4 by 100 meter relay. So I had some, some pretty significant moves in my swimming career and I think that they're probably the main ones that gave me sort of this goal of what I wanted to achieve and it was probably 2013 and 2014 and my success there that made me think I'll keep going for another two years for 2016. <laughs> um, I fell short when it came to 2016. I didn't qualify for that Olympics, but I also made a decision in 2014 that um, I didn't just want to be a 200 meter breaststroke anymore. I wanted to go for the hundred and give myself an opportunity to be in that relay and to be in another event and to win a medal. And it just didn't happen for me at the time. I, I you know, didn't put it together right on the day and I fell short of going to a third Olympic. So from there I retired and ended up becoming a coach and then now an athlete mentor. So I think that I have a lot of stories from my career, but they're probably <laughs> the three or four most poignant moments of my choices that I made and yeah, how they affected me. And you know, sometimes they were good, sometimes they're bad, but mm-hmm. I think that I learned a lot through the way. Mm, and I love that because like you said, sometimes they're great and they're the best thing that could have happened to you, like moving to Adelaide to the, go under that new coach when it could have been retire and then you come on and you're world champion, silver medalist. And then in 2014 at the Com Games, you actually got a silver medal as well in a PB swim. So look yeah. at that. <laughs> like 29 and doing PBs. What you, who would have thought? <laughs> Probably so, the most ever belief I had in myself too. So it took me that long to get that belief. <laughs> but that's just like a huge lesson in itself. Like you don't have to give it up because people say that you should like you can you knew that you had some fire left in your belly and you're like no no I want to keep going and look you got a PB so you know lifetime best (laughs) yeah yeah exactly lifetime best and that's the thing is that um, I think throughout my career that you know there's definitely a lot of things that happened um, good and bad but I always wanted to know that the choice was mine in Mm -hmm. the end like it had to be my decision to step back from swimming and it had to be my decision and it had to sit well with me. And I think as I got older, I realized that this is actually my life mm-hmm. and it's my choice rather than having someone else make that choice because they believe of a way that a mold of what a swimmer should be and their career should be. And yeah, I just always think that now I made some good choices and some bad, but I learned from a lot of them and I got some amazing successes out of my career. So I'm pretty happy that I got to walk away sort of on my own terms at the end of the day. It was what I wanted to do not that I was told to do yeah yeah and I think that's hard for athletes is we're talking a little bit off air before about like that transition out of being an athlete and into you know your regular life and I was telling you how I was how I struggled with it and how you know it wasn't super easy for me but you know you got to have that choice yourself and although it's still never an easy period of your life because your whole identity needs to be re reshifted and refocused but the fact that you got to do it when you were ready, like that's such a huge thing. Yeah, exactly. I think even what I'm doing now, I'm, I've started up my own mentoring company and I still coach. I still coach one day a week and I love going around and doing clinics at all sorts of different clubs. But for me, mentoring now is sort of about empowering athletes to use their voice and to have a say in their career more and be able and be confident to be able to say what they need Mm -hmm. as human beings, not just as athletes, because, you know, swimming, although it was this amazing part and still is this amazing part of my life, being that elite athlete was only going to be a very small part of it really. And 
I always wanted to make sure I walked away happy with who I was and what I'd achieved. And I think that's it. I think now these days we need to, for me, I like working with athletes to try and help them make those choices to mm-hmm. support them through that kind of stuff that they can realise that actually, like, I don't feel like doing that or, oh, I really want to be able to have a better relationship with my coach or I really feel like I'm not being heard. And I think that that's sort of what I love doing now and I know that I learned that through my experiences of being an athlete. And you have just transitioned perfectly into the next question, which is what is the benefit sport has provided you as an individual that's transferred over to other avenues of your life? So that's how, (laughs) that's exactly how, you know, what you're teaching the young mentees that you're working with. But has there been like something that you've really learned through either the 10 years before becoming an elite swimmer or the 10 years of being an elite swimmer that's transferred over now? Like you're a mum now, like... (laughs) There's so much, so much more to Sally than just the swimmer. Yeah, I think I always say this. We, we sort of have this chat with me and my husband all the time about it's probably some things that we learn being athletes that make us, um, we use every day as parents now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think I know that I learn a lot of resilience through my sport because there's no such thing as a continuous line of success. And I had a lot of ups and downs in my career. I spoke about some of my great, you know, achievements, but there were a lot of downtimes in my career where I had to overcome things within myself, um, whether it was nerves or not being able to conquer races the way that I wanted to. And, you know, when things didn't necessarily go your way, when preps didn't go right or, you know, when just things stepped in the way. Um, so I learned a lot of resilience from being an athlete and a lot of discipline too. You learn mm. to have, you learn to dedicate yourself to something fully and to continue to push yourself every day. But I think as well because of that now and even sort of towards the end of my career because of all that I think I learned that it's more important to sort of know yourself and the importance of communication so I don't think that I ever communicated the best with people growing up as an athlete with my coaches Um, and it wasn't until my last coach that I realized how important communication was for me to allow him to understand what I needed, not just as an athlete and an older athlete, Mm -hmm. but um, as a human being, what I needed because I had a husband and I had a life outside of rocking up to the pool every day. Um, You know, that's, I think that being able to sort of talk to people and use my, my skills in that way. I think that's, that's some of the things that I've learned and yeah, definitely use those every day with my kids communication, keeping (laughs) calm, in terms of like communicating like it's such a big thing and even with kids and even with your coaching like do you think that being able to learn that lesson as a swimmer helps you transfer that over like even in terms of coaching like knowing how to communicate to the swimmers yeah knowing how to communicate to them and also knowing that they're human mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're kids mm-hmm. and you know because I did work with young kids and so my I always felt like my role as a coach was that they could trust me enough to come and tell me anything and that I couldn't coach them to get the best out of themselves unless they were willing to come and talk to me about stuff, letting me know how their day was, letting me know if something was affecting them at school. And that's what I sort of instilled is that I need you guys to come and talk to me because I can't get the best out of you if I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. If you're sick and you're coming to training and you're just pushing yourself through it and I don't know, I can't help you. Like I can't, and then I get annoyed, you know, a little bit because why aren't they hitting their time? Then I'm confused. And then I go back to the drawing board and it's because I don't have the whole picture because the communication wasn't there. 
And I know now being a parent how important communication is, especially I've got a, a kid that's just turned four and I've, how important it is to communicate to him properly and how he is now developing his communication skills. Like there is so much emotion in a little, in a little child like, and they don't know how to regulate that properly. Mm-hmm. So um, me always trying to stay calm, like sometimes I don't, I'm human, but trying to communicate with him in a way that he can keep talking to me that he can come and tell me everything I hope for the rest of his life he'll come and tell me everything and same as my other son are really and like hopefully they can tell me everything that goes on with them and I can understand it and I can help them or I can support them yeah oh and I love that that's come from your years of you know in sport like it's a lesson that you've kind of learned through sport or like something that sports provided you I, I think that's really cool that it's like doesn't stop at sport like it's transferred over to being a mum as well yeah and I always say that to my son like if he starts to beat up his brother or get angry I'm like I can't help you if you don't come and tell me like you know you have to come over to me and say mummy for real you know whatever and he just needs his space right now and I said okay well I'll, I'll go and distract really in for you so you have that space so like that just teaching him the importance of using his words <laughs> over his emotions um but yeah I think as well just learning as well that you have agency over your own life I think sometimes in sport we have we believe that we're meant to be a certain way to be successful and that there's so many people who have inputs into you being that athlete you have physios you have sports psychologists you have these people they're supporting you telling you what you need to do to be great but knowing that you've got actually control over that like you you have you have the agency to take control of those situations and say, this isn't working for me or I don't like this and mm-hmm. knowing that that's okay. I think I learned that through being an athlete in my later years and now I love teaching kids that being a mentor. It's like, it's, it's okay to tell people what you need. Mm-hmm. That's good. You want to be able to tell them that. And yeah. We spoke a little bit earlier in the week and you said to me that, and I wrote it down because I just loved it so much. And it kind of goes along with what you're saying now is like, you also didn't want to change who you were as a person just to win or achieve in the pool. And I think that stood out because like, it's, it's one thing to be, you know, this most accoladed swimmer, but it's also like another thing to be a good person. And like the fact that you weren't willing to give up who you were as a person and you're willing to speak for yourself is such a huge achievement. Like speak more than any medal in my opinion but (laughs) yeah it's just something very special yeah look medals are fantastic things and I've got a few of them sitting on my shelf in my study that collect us but yeah I was just never really willing to give up or change sort of who I was deep down and my beliefs in in what was right And everybody has their own opinion on things. Don't get me wrong. Some people be like, what do you mean you never do that to be? It was just what I believed and what I was happy with. And I think that's why I walked away from the sport the way that I did. I was happy because I knew that I'd never compromised myself just to win an Olympic medal or mm-hmm. to be on a team. And I I was happy with that because I think I had to sit more with with what's best for me in that moment and in my life. And, and that was always it. And yeah, I... <laughs> guess that's just just my belief everybody has their own thing and I'm sure different athletes will say different things but yeah that was mine no I I really I really liked that and it's it's stuck in my mind we spoke you know two days ago and it's stuck in my mind throughout it in saying that though is there a lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd want to share I know there's been probably many but is there one that stands out (laughs) I think just sort of some of the things that I touched on before about 
you know, you have agency over your own life. Mm-hmm. And you control you can control what you do in sport and and not just in sport, but in your life. And you can take the direction whatever way you feel. And I think that that was probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned. And the importance of communication was the other one that I've sort of touched on, but also just lessons of probably the fact that I have a voice. I think I never really believed it when I was younger and even in my mid-20s as a as a female in a sort of male-dominated coaching sport. I never really listened to my voice and never believed that my voice was important enough until I got older that I realised, actually, I have a voice and I'm allowed to say these things and and I and I have the right to say this and I have the right to be do what's best for me mm-hmm. and speak up. And I think that that's probably one of the things. And... I guess I just, you know, the sport of swimming sort of, I became who I was because of swimming in a way. It doesn't mean that I've lost any of that now that I don't swim. I still feel like I still wake up early in the morning and I'm happy to be awake. <laughs> I'm happy to be there. Like I was always that person who walked in on full deck and was happy to be training in the morning and people used to think I was insane, but um, I was still a morning person. <laughs> and I think, yeah, just the lessons that I learned, I've sort of spoken to you about them a little bit already, but just knowing yourself so much I think sport can teach you a lot about who you are and what you need as a Mm -hmm. person and just knowing that it's okay to talk about that and communicate it Mm. something like that you mentioned is speaking out for yourself and you didn't learn it until you know your mid-20s and I guess it's funny because you go through swimming as a kid and it's very 50-50 in terms of participation and you don't really realize that the coaches are it is a very male-dominated coaching industry and I know many times as a young female when I was coaching that I was put in a situation where like parents would come up to me and be like, no, we're not doing that because that's not how this male coach would have done it. I'm like, well, that's great, but like I'm actually more qualified. So (laughs) I'm the coach of your child and we're doing what I say. And like the first few times that that happened, I went and cried. Like I didn't, I didn't stick up for myself. It's taken years to, like you say, get to that point where you can go, mm, well, no, like I'm the expert here. We're doing what I say. Yeah. And just having that gumption to say that out loud and believe that you have that in you. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's so important. I just, yeah, for me in sport, just having that ability to go just later on, it taught me to have that ability that I have a voice and it's important and that I actually know it's not right that you say that and you you don't know better than me. I know more. Mm. And even even when I did start coaching though, I think probably I didn't believe that I was deserved to be there because I didn't have the background that a few other coaches who applied for the role that I ended up getting had. They'd been on pool deck for a lot longer than me. And it wasn't until I was sat down and be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, oh, are you sure that I should have got this job? Like I still probably didn't believe that I should have got that the job that I did um, at Marion. And they're like, Sally, you've got how many years of experience of being on multiple pool decks around mm. the world internationally as an athlete? Like who is better experienced than you to take this position? And I think from that moment, I sort of realized that actually like I just have to be who I am mm-hmm. and what I've used, what I've learned to help these future kids be great and to achieve whatever it is they want to in sport. Because realistically, we do know in the sport of swimming, less than 40 people a year represent Australia. Less mm-hmm. than 3% of kids go to a national championships. Like, yeah, we have a participation rate of up to 90,000. So that is so small, right? Mm-hmm. Like these, we want kids to stay. For me, I just want kids to stay in sport. I need them to keep loving it and keep coming back and have a relationship with a sport where they feel like 
doesn't matter if they go away for a couple of months or a couple of years that it's they can come back and it'll be there for them and it's okay that's part of it because we do have an amazing sport like for me swimming like I love swimming and I was saying to you before like, I still <laughs> swim once a week I feel like an absolute pleb when I swim and I, <laughs> I still swim once or twice a week now um, more for my own mental health and my own headspace and I try not to count my laps and stuff but swimming taught me so much and I still sort of have that little love there for it would I stand up at a national championships and race again probably not <laughs> um, but I still just like getting in the water and being a part of the community that I'm involved in I'm at a club called Central Aquatic now here in Western Australia which my family run and I love coaching there one day a week because of just the community of kids and the parents and you know, it's not about elite performance. Um, yes, I've got a few kids that'll be that are on the pathway to be an amazing, amazing elite athletes, but it's about the whole of their club and how they look after everybody that walks through the door and how everybody is treated equally. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's amazing. So I love being part of that community. Yeah. Oh, and you've done it again. You've transitioned us into <laughs> into the next question, which is, have you been involved in a project where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community? <laughs> so obviously being a part of this club, it sounds like a wonderful club. I love the clubs that are very community-based because it doesn't matter if you're going to be a future Olympian or you're going to, you know, stop swimming and you don't even make states, to be honest. It's just about being there, being active and getting the benefits because you do get the same benefits whether you go to the Olympics or you just go to States. Like you do get the same benefits out of the sport. So yeah, I, I love that. But has there been a, I've got a few written down, but has there been one that sticks out to you like a project where sport's been used as a tool? In my, in my experience, so there were a couple from my point of view in my experience. So I was a part of a women's in sports task force in South Australia. So mm-hmm. That for me was, I love being part of that. I was one of the founding members and they basically lobbied local government to get super basic things for females. So it was about getting change rooms, female Mm. change rooms at sporting clubs, because there are a lot of sporting clubs out there that don't actually have female change rooms. And now that, you know, the women's AFL is taking off and we have so many parody sports now, like equal sports everywhere. Yet these girls are changing in cars or you know, not allowed to use the male change rooms because the men are getting dressed in there before they go out for the game when the women finish. And, mm-hmm. you know, they did things simple as that. Like that's just basic human need, right? Mm. Like we should have equal change rooms everywhere. So that was a really cool thing that I think sort of changed the community from all sorts of levels. It wasn't just based on what's best for swimming. It was how can we help women in sport in South Australia so that we can have great leaders and great female athletes everywhere and that was just one of the things that I was part of that I love being a part of we sort of lobby government for all different things and the other one I guess you've heard about me being part of the club that I'm at now but and also being a mentor but now I'm an ambassador and a facilitator for a company called Outside the Locker Room so they go around into sporting community clubs and they talk about mental health and well-being of everybody and they're an incredible program that has eight or nine different pillars and you go around and we present this stuff free of charge to clubs here in WA. It's Australia. It is Australia wide. So there are some in every state, just get online and have a look. And I think I became an ambassador for them and a facilitator because I thought the importance of mental health in young people is so, yeah, is so important. And being a mentor now and talking to more junior athletes, 
it's more about their mental health and their well-being and being mm-hmm. able to speak up and have that communication so they can say what they need and they're feeling and I just thought that outside the locker room do such an amazing thing with communities in clubs and they're all about community sport because you know it's a community sport that start at grassroots level you can mm-hmm. be a part of a community club for life and in some country towns and in some you know different suburbs sport and those community clubs they're the life they're the, the hub. heartbeat mm. of, of, of towns and if we can get in there and start spreading the word about mental health and the importance of it and just starting the conversation with people I think that that's so important so I love I love that and I love that that's how community sport can change sort of lives hopefully for the better mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like that. And I'll be sure to link that in the show notes and on the Facebook and the Instagram. So people can find that if they're coaches or board members of clubs or something, they can find it and get them in because it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Athlete. Well, not just athlete mental health, but mental health and wellbeing is something that I think we're talking about more and more now um, mm-hmm. in life. And it should be at the front of things and you should be able to talk about you should be able to talk about it freely and hopefully we can stop some of the suicides and things that happen because of mental health. So yeah, anything is worth it. 100%. And sports are good. It's kind of like an outlet to be able to speak about it. Like it allows you to go, oh, so you feel this when you lose a game or you feel this emotion and then you can cross it over to, oh, how do you deal with that in real life if you don't get a test result that you want? And like, it's such a tool to develop individuals and therefore like also the community yeah, like it's just, I call it a tool because it's like just one of the tools in the toolbox. You can be like, oh, you've got the toughest little kid that doesn't want to talk about his feelings. Well, how do you feel when you lose a soccer match? And then they'll yeah. tell you. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, have you ever felt like that before? And just like little things like that, it teaches you those coping strategies. You use it in sport and then you can use it in everyday life as well. Like, you know, you said before, you are the person you are because of swimming. You learned those lessons in swimming and now you're using them outside of swimming. Yeah. And look, in most community sports, how how much time do those kids spend with those coaches and those staff mm-hmm. around them? They probably spend more time there than they would talking to their teacher in school. Mm-hmm. Even though they're at school longer, they probably have better relationships with their coaches and the team at their sporting club than they do with other people in their life. And that's why I think it's so important to get into these community clubs and that, that it's just so important to be a part of them. Like most of these people are volunteering their time because they have a passion to see kids succeed like they Mm -hmm. don't do it for money they do it because they want to see the kids you know win a football game or just have a blast or kick their first goal Mm -hmm. or wear their first guernsey or you know dive into the water and do their first 25 meter (laughs) race whatever it is like these people volunteer their time and you know coaches you don't make a million bucks being a coach (laughs) I've been a a coach like um you do it because you love it Mm -hmm. and you know community sport just has yeah just creates this sort of lifeline for people I think and like you said sport creates all of these little tools that you can use as you go along in your life and you can keep them there when you need them and know that you've got them there and yeah I think you and I had a chat about it before but sport should be about better making better humans not Mm -hmm. just making great athletes and we all know the importance of what sport does is for role models but Mm -hmm. um you know what about these people as athletes and human beings and I think that that's so important like winning a medal is a great thing don't get me wrong but becoming a great human being and being supportive and just looking after somebody is just as important Mm, that yeah we did talk about that (laughs) a fair bit and I I think my whole coaching philosophy was like if a kid 
leaves me a better human than I've done my job, whether they, you know, they, they would have improved their swimming just by training, but like whether they won the national medal or not, like if they've left a better human, then I've, I've done my job and I'd consider that a win. If they left me and they were not, and thank touch wood, I haven't had one yet. <laughs> um, then, then I would have seen that as a failure as a coach because I had a role to play in their journey and, you know, it didn't quite work out. And I would have, yeah, seen that as, I guess, not, not a success, whether they, if they were a national Olympic champion, I don't, I don't know, like they could have won every medal in the, in the world, but if they were not a good sport and they didn't know how to deal with their emotions around the sporting context, then I would have been like, well, what did I do as a coach? Yeah. Yeah, Mm. exactly. It's not all about performance at the end of the day. Mm. We're all human and that's the most important thing like being an elite athlete was fantastic um being a coach for me was probably better and now being a mentor is probably even better again than a mum just being able to use my experience to help other people just even if it's not for them to be the greatest athlete in a sport it's just keeping them in that sport or helping them work through things where they're at at the moment so that they can keep going with something that they obviously love that's what I want to do and you know I, I love doing it at the moment and yeah like you said you who you are as a coach is a big, like you, you play such an important role in a lot of kids' lives when you're a coach. Um, mm. And yeah, you, you've got a big role to play. <laughs> <laughs> is there no pressure to any coaches out there? <laughs> in saying that, we were, we were talking a little bit before, like where do you see the future of sport? Like we're talking now, there's a big shift in terms of athlete well-being as the centre rather than, you know, I know that in terms of funding, you have to win a certain amount of medals and I, I get the business side of it, but like there's a big shift in athlete wellbeing. Is, is that the direction you see the, the future of sport? Uh, yeah, that's one of them. Um, I think that sport can lead to incredible social change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about <laughs> gender, gender equality and we know what the statistics are in terms of females in the media in sport. Um, mm-hmm. It's everywhere. But not just that about having that social change where we can change how people look at sport and women in sport, but just also looking at like the mental health and and being that part of it and just the things that it can do in a community, how sport can be a community builder and it can help build these communities up and it can help people from everywhere, no matter who they are. And especially my sport, it's swimming is a sport that I think every kid should learn and Mm -hmm. You know, I know Laurie Lawrence does an incredible job at his Do the Five Stay Alive <laughs> campaign. And I have a passion for that too. It's like every kid should have the ability to learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. And we know that we can change these kids' lives through getting into swimming and just knowing how to swim. And the more kids that we can get from all different communities to come and do swimming is so important. I think as well now we are starting to understand the importance that community sporting hat clubs have about in well-being and in mental health now we know that these clubs are lifelines for a lot of towns and a lot of people everywhere and it needs to I think tell a strong story it's not just about gold medals anymore mm. it's about the people behind those gold medals it's about the lifetime of family and community support that they've had around them to help them achieve that gold medal and I know that so many people say that um, when they they win those medals it's like how, who they thank and stuff but you don't see what goes into that and the importance of 
that support and that community and those people that have been there from day one and mm-hmm. even the people that just come in and out that might flicker a light on in your journey just I think that that's so important in, in in how they make things possible and how they make these champions possible but yeah for me just sport oh, I don't know I <laughs> just <laughs> hopefully we see gender equality gender equity everywhere mm-hmm. that would be a goal for me I think that's a big start I, I know that I have a real passion for that as well but just sort of getting people to realize that sport's more than just about winning medals exactly and that, I guess that's like the whole point of this podcast is like it is it's Yes, you, it's what you achieved in your sports and your highs and lows, but it's like, what did you learn from that? And what has that brought to you as a human? Because like, it's great that there's highs and lows, but like, how did you bounce back or how did you learn from it? So I guess it's the fluffy or deep side of, <laughs> of the sport, but that's the stuff that makes you who you are. And yeah, I think it might just be me, but I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. And then how can you use it? Like you said, mm. there's tools in a toolbox. How do we use them? How do we get people to use what they know like there's so many things that I don't think people even the young kids that I work with that I'm like do you know that you you're talking about the fact that you train every day with somebody you don't really get along with but you still go to training you still Mm. seem to get through to our session with them you don't have to be best friends with them but they use like what happens if you get to a workplace and you you know like there are actually these tools that these kids are using every day they don't even realize that they have Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's so important too, is just making them realize that, oh, actually I do have that there. I oh, actually, like I do do that. That is really cool that I do that and making them understand the importance of the, the stuff that they've got and the things that they're learning. And that sport is this incredible, this incredible, incredible thing, um, that can lead to amazing, amazing outcomes. Um, but it, it, hopefully it's swimming, especially for me was something that I'll hopefully do forever because, you know, I loved it as a kid and I was bored into it. And now I take my kids swimming and I watch them, you know, muck around in the pool and think that they can swim. <laughs> but don't listen to mummy, obviously. <laughs> I'm not teaching my kids to swim. <laughs> just take them somewhere. They don't listen to mummy. Um, but yeah, just having that lifeblood in that community. And I think that that's the best part now is like being able to take my kids to be part of sport and even now my, my, my oldest son is four and this year um we've already been looking to oh cool what's what's can we get him into so that he can learn new skills mm-hmm. um you know is it little athletics is it you know going and playing soccer so it's not just going to be about swimming for him we're hopefully going to instill that all sports are incredible and hopefully he'll find his path into one that he loves uh-huh. both of them love sorry <laughs> <laughs> my youngest one's not old enough to make that not yet <laughs> <laughs> not there you got another two years till until the youngest one's there <laughs> oh that's incredible and I, I think that's the the greatest thing is like yes you come from a swimming background and you advocate for swimming but also like you're acknowledging that there's other sports out there that can teach you lessons and I guess that's one thing that I've really learned doing this podcast is like I came from a swimming background and swimming taught me who I am as a person but like listening to the goals that, you know, the hockey player has or, you know, the things that the javelin throwers learned, like learning that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, well, like our lessons overlap, even though you go from a team sport to an individual sport, you know, one where you've got no equipment other than bathers in a pool and one where you've got sticks or something, you're throwing something like it. You learn those lessons in all different types of sport and you just kind of got to find the one that works for you. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. stick with it for a really long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or have a break and then go back to it. Like don't yeah, yeah, yeah. sport yeah, forever. 
Well, Sally, thank you so, so much for joining me on today. I really appreciate you coming on and I've, I'm sure we've uh, covered a lot of topics, but I absolutely love it. And I hope that, you know, the listeners gain a lot from listening to this episode. Sorry, thank you so much for having me and reaching out to me. Um, yeah, I've been listening to you for a while. So yeah, it's cool to come on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.